0: Lord, it's it's good to be together as your as your people. God, I uh, last night I realized that I've I've actually just taken for granted a bit that we can come and and do this uh, right now, and we, we have no idea next week what what's going to happen. Um, so, Lord, I thank you, thank you that that you have given us one another um, as uh, as your church, as as the body of Christ. And uh, Lord, I pray that. Um, That as we talk about the church each week, including today, uh, will you grow us in, in understanding um, how you have uh, how you've made your church and what your church is to, to look like and and live like Lord and, and there are um, some ways that I think um, you've really grown us already just by your grace um, and there are other ways where Lord I just I want us to grow so we we pray that even today would be a part of that Jesus it's in your name we pray amen Um so let's uh, let's pretend you've uh, got this friend, lifelong friend. You met him like clear back in like elementary school, um, and love this friend. I've been through a lot together with this friend. Um, and and as, as you've grown older, uh, you you came to know Jesus yourself. You wanted your friend to come to know Jesus, so um, you started looking for opportunities. Just whenever the Lord would allow it, uh, you would you try and share about. Christ. Um, and, and for years, you've had good conversations, and there have been times with this friend that they thought, well, maybe, maybe God is doing something here. I mean, there's an appearance of, of some fruit in, in this, this converse, these conversations with your friend, but you could never totally tell what was happening. Um, but you prayed, hoped that one day, they would, they would hear the gospel. They would receive Jesus as Lord. And, and as, you, as you grew older, you got out of high school, went to college, you ended up in different parts of the country, so you haven't even lived near each other in, in a long, long time. But you've kept up this friendship. And part of why you've kept it up is you, you, you just care for them and you so badly want them to know Jesus. And then that day finally comes when when they tell you that that the gospel makes sense. The Lord has just opened their eyes to understand and see their need for Jesus. And they they told you that they've they've trusted in Jesus alone to save them from sin. What great news. Right? And you've been you've been hoping and praying for this and now it's finally here. And then you realize, man, I haven't really thought about what's next. So you think about it and like, okay, we've got to get you a good Bible. And I'm not gonna, I won't talk about translation, but, but you, you find a good translation for them, get them a good Bible, get them on a, even a, a Bible reading plan maybe so they, they just have this regular diet of the Word. And, and then, and then you, you tell them, you need to find a solid church. And they ask you, great, how do I find a good church? And you you're like man, I've been at my church for a long time. How did I find this church? What, what would what would you tell them to look for? We certainly wouldn't tell someone, "Oh, just go to a church that you feel comfortable at," right? Because there, there could be a, a church you feel comfortable at that has horrible teachings about about Jesus. So you, you think through what matters. Maybe even do a little Google search, um, but but you start identifying. Okay, these are these are markers of of a healthy. Church. Um, so today we're going to talk about the marks of, of some marks of a healthy church, and we might get finish with this sermon and you're going to think, Greg, what about this thing? This is super important too. And maybe you'll shoot me an email this week and I'll read your email and go, oh yeah, maybe I should have included that Sunday. But this is my list for today. So um, these are some marks that that, uh, would indicate to me that a a church is healthy and a good place for uh, someone to participate in the body of Christ. So uh, here's a list of them. Uh, uh, Expository preaching. Uh, sound uh, doctrine and theology, Um, uh, uh, a church that is gospel-centered, has a biblical understanding of the gospel, Um, a church that that has a, a unity, a oneness, uh, to it not not just um, not just within the body, but even with the, the universal church, um, a, a church that has biblical leadership le- leadership as laid out in scripture and, and a church um, that, that is is focused on on making disciples that discipleship is happening within the church so we 'll start off with expository preaching and this is um, Maybe once or twice a year, we use this word expository preaching or ex- expositional preaching, um, but, but my guess is we probably haven't said much about what it is. Um, expository preaching is, is, is simply exposing the text. So the, the preacher's goal is, is to identify in the passage what is the main point, right? And then make that the main point. Of the sermon, which sounds uh, pretty simple, um, we're, we're trusting here that that God knows what we need. He's given it to us in His Word, and, and we're going to make what He says in His Word the the main point of our sermon. And so, um, maybe you're wondering, like, okay, so it's not. Expositional preaching or expository preaching, what would it be? Um, I would think of the opposite would be kind of topical preaching. Now, um, uh, there are times for topical preaching. Um, we think this is one of them. We're, we're going through a little series on what is the church, right? Um, but our our purposeful habit is to go through uh, whole books of the Bible, um, and and we do it in, in this way. So, uh, certainly someone could have a topical sermon. And they could, uh, their sermon could um, be expositional, and they take a passage and, and they do uh, teach the main point of that passage. Uh, there are a couple presuppositions or, or things we presuppose um, in uh, expositional preaching. One is that Scripture has authority, right? So we believe uh, we have a very high view of God's Word in this church, and the place that it has in the church, and in the lives of all believers. And the second is, we believe that um, we need to hear God's word. So, more so than we need to hear someone's ideas about God's word, we want to hear God's word. Just like the Old Testament prophets, just like the New Testament apostles, they they were sent, they had a, a specific task to speak God's word to people. So, with preachers. You want a preacher that's preaching God's word. And there are many that have said that this is the most important mark in, uh, in a church. One pastor said that without uh, expository preaching, any signs of health might just be accidental. Um, I, so I, I, I see it kind of this way. It's like button a shirt. I don't know if you start with the top button or the bottom button, but my guess is, Maybe no one just starts in the middle. right? That's like the Wild West. You don't know what's going to happen if you just start buttoning in the middle. But if you start at the top or the bottom, whichever way you do it, I start at the top. If I start at the top, chances are pretty good I'm going to nail it by the time I'm done. I won't make a mistake. And so it is with good preaching of God's Word. that We think expository preaching is the best way to do it. 2 Timothy 4.2 says, uh, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful attention. Uh, it also says in, in chapter 3, verse 16 all scriptures God breathed. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, uh, and training in righteousness. God's word matters, and and Paul tells us it's it's God breathed. But don't think of uh, like God breathing life into Adam. No, this is it's uh, it's not that God breathed uh, into the text and and now it's live. No, God breathed out the text. It's it's a product of God. It comes from Him. There's a a document uh, written in 1645. Um, by the uh, Westminster Assembly of Divines. It's called the Directory of Public Worship. And it's, it's talking about when, when, you're, when the preacher's raising a point from the text, preachers are to ensure that it be a truth contained in or grounded in the text, that hearers may discern uh, how God teacheth it from thence. So in other words, uh, preaching needs to enable the hearer Uh, to understand what's in their Bibles. One pastor said, our aim is to take the the sacred text, explain what it means, tie it to other scriptures so that people can see the whole a little better, and apply it to life so that it bites and heals, instructs, and edifies. And then he said, what better way to accomplish this end than through expository preaching? The pastor in Washington, D.C., Mark Dever, he said this. He said, Pastors may happily accept the authority of God's word and even profess to believe in the inerrancy of the Bible. Yet if that preacher in practice, whether intending to or not, does not regularly preach expositionally, he will never preach more than he already knows. A preacher may take a piece of scripture and exhort the congregation on a topic which is important without really preaching the point of that passage. All right, so when, when the, the pastor doesn't preach expositionally, the church will only grow to the level of that pastor. The church will be so slowly conformed to the mind of the pastor rather than the mind of God. Now, maybe... If your pastor is in their 60s, 70s, 80s, right, walked with Jesus for years, knows their Bible inside and out, that wouldn't be so bad. But I'm only 40. And and, and you'd be limited to my ceiling if we just picked the topics that I wanted to talk about and the things that I know about. But God has given us his word. The psalmist talks about the word as a lamp unto our feet, a light to our path. Ephesians 5 Talking about the church, Paul says, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. It's, it's critical if you were to walk into a church that, that you see that they're, they are preaching from the word, and, and what they're preaching from the word is what God's word actually says. Another mark of a healthy church is uh, they should have a biblically sound theology and doctrine. Uh, so not only do you, do you want to make sure that that what they're preaching that day comes from the text, um, but but that that it connects, that it fits with the whole of Scripture, that it fits with sound biblical theology, sound biblical doctrine. So a healthy church will have people filled uh, that are they'll have people in it sorry that um that are listening to the sermon and 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 thinking through is this uh, does this fit with what scripture says because anyone can come up and and take a couple of verses or a passage and 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 twist it and make it say what they want it to say but as you listen to a sermon, I hope that you're considering, how does this passage fit with, with the context of the passages before and after it, with, with the whole letter or book that's, that it's in? How does it fit with, does it fit with the, the whole unified story of Scripture? In Acts 17, uh, there's a group of people that are highlighted, They're, they're the Bereans, and we're told uh, just a, a couple lines about them, that, that they received... Uh, the word with all eagerness. And then it says that they examined the scriptures to see if what was being taught was indeed true. And, and this, this is the kind of people that we ought to be. Good theology and doctrine means that beliefs are in uh, right step with scripture. What is uh, taught and believed by the church, it needs to be in accord with what God's word says. So Titus 2, one says, but as for you, Teach what accords with sound doctrine. 2 Timothy 1.13. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. The apostles really cared about sound doctrine being taught. Jesus uh, Jesus had a high view of scripture which is not surprising to us in Matthew 4:4 4, 4, he quotes uh, Deuteronomy 8:3 says it is written Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And if you've been in a church much, you've heard Christians talking uh, talking about needing to to be fed, right? And we, we talk about being fed in the word. I, I just met with a uh, an old friend that I went to Bible college with a, a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about his church, and he, he was saying, man, we're just not being fed. Um, I, and I'm not saying this about my friend, because I, I don't know everything that's going on, but... Um, I think so often we're malnourished because we, we just want little bite-sized pieces from God's word. right? We, we, we think that, that this little sample is, is going to be enough for us. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with a verse of the day popping up on your phone. That, that can be helpful. That's good. But if that's all you're consuming, you will be malnourished. We instead need to feast on God's word right? We're coming up close here to Thanksgiving. My guess is most of us after that meal will go, man, I probably ate too much. I know I have a history of, of saying that after Thanksgiving. I'll loosen up my belt a bit. Um, we cannot eat too much of God's word. We're the feast on God's word, right? It should be a multiple course meal. We, we take it in, we digest it. Eugene Peterson says, Christians need to absorb and imbibe the Bible so that it seeps into all your pores. Uh, a man named Keith Johnson wrote a book called Theology as Discipleship. And in it, he said, theology is valuable only to the extent that it helps the disciple learn Christ, right? That, that's the goal of good theology, that we would learn, that we would know our Savior. He goes on, he argues that learning core doctrine is one of the ways that we participate in the life of the triune God. Um, the elder team, a few months back, we, we read a, an excellent book by um, uh, a man named Kevin Van Hooser, and he, he said this. He said, disciples who have learned where they are in the biblical story will have a sense of urgency, but not anxiety about the future. And do you see that? He's saying that, that, that good doctrine in this particular area, it will, it will help uh, the believer. They'll have this urgency about the future, not anxiety about the future. Good theology, good doctrine should impact how we live. If not, something's off, and, it, and it's not the theology or the doctrine, it's us. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 uh, says So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Sound doctrine, good sound theology will impact the life of the church. It'll impact evangelism. It'll impact our, our worship, our, our discipleship. It'll impact our, our unity with one another. We could go on and on, but it's critical that, that the church you go to is grounded in the word, that it's theology, that it's doctrine, it fits with the unified story in Scripture. Another mark is that the church is gospel-centered, that they have a biblical understanding of, uh, of the gospel. The center of Christian theology is the gospel. It should be, if it's not for you, This is the good news that changes absolutely everything. So it should be the center of every believer's life. It should be the center of the church. And if that's the case, then we really need to be clear on what the gospel is. The gospel is uh, the shocking story of God redeeming his people, of God redeeming sinful man. And, and this is the news that as a church, we gather. Right? This, is, this is why we come here on Sundays together. I mentioned this months ago, how interesting it is that, that we call it good news. Right? We live in not even a 24-hour news cycle anymore. But something that happened a day ago or hours ago is old news. And yet this news, the good news of the gospel a couple thousand years later, is still news because it needs to be heard. It, it needs to be uh, proclaimed and received. So we, we need to know the gospel. We, we need to know that, that we find ourselves dead in sin, that we've sinned against our Creator. And He, he made us in His image, and this is, this is the one that we've sinned against, the one that we have offended and there are a ton of attributes uh, to God that we could talk about. We could say God is love. God is this or that. But one of those is God is holy. Um, God is is, is he is nothing like us, not only in his purity, but he's, he's totally set apart. He's, he's completely uh, distinct and different. The, the author of Hebrews in chapter 12 writes, Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Well, I just said we're dead in sin. We're not holy. We have a massive problem. We're stuck in our sin. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, you know this, for the wages of sin is death. And then it goes on, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. All right, so this holy God, the creator of all things, he so loved the world that he sent his son to die in the place of sinful people on the cross. The Gospel of Mark says that Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many. He lived the sinless life that we're supposed to live but totally fail at. He died the death that we deserve to die on the cross. His blood was shed in place of ours. And you know, on the third day, he rose from the dead. He defeated sin and death. And then shortly thereafter, he ascended to the Father where he sits at his right hand. And it's by his death that we can be reconciled to God, that we can be forgiven of our sin if we'll trust in his death and resurrection, we're saved. There's an exchange. He takes our sin, and, and in return, he gives us his righteousness. And so now in Christ, we're justified. We're declared not guilty. Right before Christ, we stood condemned. We stood guilty. But now in Christ, we have life eternal which begins when, when we believe in him, John seventeen three. Jesus says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And one day God will gather all of his people, and he, he's going to make the new heavens and the new earth, and he will dwell with his people forever. We need to be clear about the gospel. We, we've got to be clear that, that, that the gospel um, is is by grace, right? Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. We have to be clear on that because we tend to trick ourselves into believing that we have to somehow contribute to our salvation, that we need to do something to earn our salvation. So we need churches that are clear that the gospels. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Sundays together are weekly gathering. But in a healthy church, you should, uh, we should hope, we should look for uh, uh, the gospel throughout the service. Not, not just the sermon. Not just on some outreach Sunday, but that, that in our singing, in our prayers, even in our, our welcome, in our greeting, that, that there be aspects of the gospel, and, and hopefully throughout the whole service, like we'll hear the gospel. That it'll be very, very clear. The gospel isn't just for those who have not responded to Jesus. Right. We, if you've responded to Christ, you need to continue to hear the gospel. A church that knows the gospel and what God has done to redeem them will be ready to share the gospel when uh, opportunities come about. I'm going to share a quick story. We have uh, someone, I just heard this last service, we have someone that uh, they they moved away for school, they're joining a church, um, their church has membership in in that uh, membership to join. Uh, there's an interview process and they asked they asked her, "Hey, would you would you share the gospel? Right? Not that they had to get it perfect, but they just wanted to know. Like, yes, this person has an understanding of the gospel. So, did that great? All goes well. Then the next day, uh, she she's uh, it's a nice day. She's going to go on a walk. Her roommate, who she's already been uh, talking with uh, about Christ, she'd never met her before a couple months ago. Um, she, her uh, roommate, goes, "Hey, where are you going? Going a walk? Can I come with you? Yes." Her roommate just starts asking her all these questions, right? All these questions about about God, about the church, about sin, everything. And she just got to lay out the gospel for her. And, and she just thought, man, God, the day before gave me like a dry run at this so I could be ready to share with this person. I had no idea this was going to happen. Uh, I love it. Uh, a church that knows the gospel will be ready when God does give us opportunities and we've we've gotten this good news from the apostles. and I don't know if if we talk about this enough, if we think about this enough, but but we we have the gospel from the eyewitnesses of Jesus. In Ephesians three four Paul says, "When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has been. Uh, now uh, has now been revealed to his holy apostles and his prophets by the Spirit. So we submit to the authority of the of the apostles because the authority of the apostles is the authority given to them by Jesus. And what we're doing is we're building on the foundation that they have laid for the church, right? We're not adding to the foundation. I'm not saying we're, we're making the foundation bigger. No, we're, we're building on the foundation that they have laid. Um, there, there are no more apostles, Right? That that is that is done, um, and this is a little side note. But um, that is a thing right now. That there are people in the world claiming that they're new apostles uh, for Christ. If you step into a church that that, that and, and someone's on stage or wherever and they say I'm a new apostle, you pretend like you forgot something in your car and you just get right on out of there. Right? If you're you're listening to a podcast and, and this preacher's so good and so dynamic, man, if he's claiming to be a new apostle, find a new uh, a new preacher to listen to. There's more we could talk about there as well, but another mark of uh, of a healthy church is a unity, a, a oneness in it. Uh, Ephesians 4.1 uh, there, There's a lot of places we could go for this, but uh, I love this. Paul says, I therefore a prisoner of uh, for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the, the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So we, uh, in reading scripture, we would expect that there would be a oneness to God's church. And, and yet sadly, it seems like so often the church is not known for unity or a oneness uh, we, we talked just at the end of last week's sermon, uh, our, our oneness, our unity is, is by being united with Christ. That's why we're united with one another. Um, the, uh, the, the church, there's a lot of metaphors in the New Testament for the church, but one, one is that we're a family. Right, the, the, uh, even in First Peter, when we just did First Peter, there's lots of uh, familial um, language in, in how Peter described how words are to relate with one another. Um, we should be a family. Um, it was a beautiful thing for me this last week and a half. Um, to be with the Fleet family as they're just grieving the loss of uh, Marilyn's husband, Gary, the, the kid's dad, uh, just a, a man who loved Jesus. And um, it, it's been pretty incredible for me as, a, as an outsider, just watch people in our church love them well. I, uh, the day he died, I just, man, I just wanted to do something. So I went and bought flowers and, and wrote a card and I assumed they were still gonna be at the hospital. I drove there. I was just going to drop them off. Uh, some of you know Lauren Yoder. He was he was already there, um, and and we spent some time talking and praying. And then I was just going to get out of there because I didn't know what they would want. And as I'm trying to leave, they pull up, and I felt so awkward and weird. I'm like, oh, do you want me here or not? And uh, it was so clear they they just wanted to be with people that, that knew them and loved them. And so I spent the next several hours with them, and and it was neat. Like people would call. From the church, and, and there'd be a person that, that shows up from the church, and I've heard since then uh, their community group just helping out with anything and everything, whether it's meals or or stuff yesterday for the service or or whatever. It's a it's a beautiful thing that the body of Christ should we should respond to each other and think of each other, view each other as a family. We should have that that oneness. Uh, some of you guys know Jim Clapp. Jim's the guy that that rides a, a, a scooter, um, like a medical scooter, not like a, a Vespa. Um, he rides a scooter to church. Jim's—he's not in great shape. He's got issues with his legs, all kinds of health issues. Um, well, Jim called me. I think it was like two weeks ago, and it's Friday. I'm right in the middle of sermon prep. I'm a little stressed. I see the phone. I'm like, oh, okay. Hey, Jim, what's going on? And he tells me, Greg, and what happened was his his door had just blown off. like he opened his door to let his dog out, and, and this wind gust blew his door off, like broke the the door frame, and I'm just thinking, man, do I have time to do this right now? Like I've got to get ready. I've got to get home to my family, and can't, am I even capable of doing this? Do I have the skill set? Well all this is going on in my head and before I can before I can say anything or decide anything, he said, Hey, can I get Pete's number from you? He's talking about Peter Kobe, one of our elders. And and I said, Yeah, sure. And and he just goes, Oh, I bet he'll come help. And sure enough, Peter Kobe was there within a few hours. He'd recruited somebody else and, and they fixed this for our brother in Christ that, you know, he's just he doesn't have the ability to do that right now. And he lives he lives off on his own. Like no one would would be there to help him. So, so there should be this this oneness within the local church, um, but also in the universal church. Uh, maybe once or twice a year, it seems that uh, like we'll uh, we'll read the Apostles' Creed together or the Nicene Creed together. We did just a few weeks ago, and um, in that, almost every time, we explain what it means when it says Catholic Church, because for probably almost all of us. We hear Catholic and we think Roman Catholic but but you'll notice uh, uh, when we have it on the screen it's a, it's a lowercase C it's not talking about the Roman Catholic Church it, 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 the word just means the universal church so there's there should be a unity and a oneness that we should have with all believers that, that we have this this bond this connection with all other brothers and sisters in Christ. I was studying at a coffee shop uh, just the other day, and you know, I was in the zone, I'm reading in my Bible, and uh, a couple guys walk by, and one of them says, that's a good book. And I, I, I was just kind of caught off guard because I, I was thinking about the sermon and everything, and, and I'm like, oh, yes, it is a good book. And, and we smile at each other and, and have this brief, brief conversation that, man, we're brothers in Christ. And it, it was it's so interesting to me. Like I don't have that anywhere else, in in anything else. I don't have that same bond, but it makes sense. If Christ is in me, and if Christ is in him, and I'm in Christ, and he's in Christ, of course. There's going to be this, this relationship, this connection, this oneness that we have. Uh, Matt and I went to a uh, Matt Eldridge and I went to a, a conference uh, just about two years ago in Indianapolis, um, the the Gospel Coalition conference, and it, tons of people were there. I was not prepared for it. It was like I don't know if it's six thousand people, ten thousand people. I'm not sure, but tons of people, and it was just like sermon, 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 right? So like people that went were pretty serious about Christ, right? I don't, I doubt there were many people there that that did not genuinely, truly know Jesus as their Savior, and I. I loved meeting other Christians there and and just talking about ministry and and all kinds of things. And I'm not, like, that's not my MO. Um, Like, in this whole pandemic thing, the mask, here's the one time it's a blessing, when you don't want someone to recognize you, right? And my long hair, it throws everybody off. So if I don't want to be seen, I don't have to be seen. But, man, at this conference, I was just loving, talking to other brothers and sisters in Christ on, on the plane ride home from Indy to Seattle. I can't remember how long that flight was, maybe three or four hours. A guy across from me in the aisle, we, we make eye contact and, and we realize, like, man, I think I saw you this week. And, and we start just talking about church and life and missions and all kinds of stuff. It was such a great conversation. We, we, we had this, this bond because we both are in Jesus. So, um, there should be a oneness in not just the local church, but but universally, right? Um, the universal church. There, there should be a oneness in in a local church with other churches, right? We we should be connected. If if we're isolated, uh, there's a problem. John seventeen twenty. Jesus' uh, high priestly prayer is what we call it. Um, in John seventeen, he says this in verse twenty. He says, "I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through." Uh, through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you've sent me. The glory that you've given me, I've given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you have loved me, our unity, our unity, points to and glorifies our Lord. Uh, another uh, mark of a healthy church, and I, I talked about this a, a bit um, when we were in First Peter's, is biblical leadership, right? You, you should have a, a church that is structured the way the, the, the Bible um, lays out the leadership of a church. So in the church, God has given two offices, elders, uh, elders who are pastor shepherds, and deacons and deaconesses, Um uh, you, you'll notice that uh, there's not just one person that runs a church. There's a plurality of leaders, a plurality of, of elders taught um, in Scripture. Um, and I've said this before, you don't want to have just one pastor. You, you don't just want it to be me in a room by myself making hard decisions. No, you, you want a group of of elders, these, these godly men, right, who are qualified to be elders that are prayerfully and in, 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 in scripture making decisions to shepherd our church. Um, we haven't had deacons and deaconesses for all that long. It's only been a handful of years. And, and it came about as Matt Eldridge, we were, uh, we were in, uh, in Timothy, and Matt Eldridge was preaching. And we come to the part about deacons, and he says, Why don't we have these? So it's what started this conversation. Like, yeah, why? Why don't we have this office that God has given for the church? And it's been good for our church. We don't have a, a deacon board. They don't. They don't ever like meet and get together. These are uh, deacons are, are, are servants that that. Uh, Free up uh, uh, so that free up people so that ministry can happen. Right, they're they're helping the church uh, continue to go in in things that are not glorious. So we basically have a bunch of people on speed dial that that we've identified. They're godly people, love the Lord, and and we'll call them and say, Hey, Jim Clap needs something, or there's something here, or can you go pray with this? But whatever it is, like we have people that that are just ready to serve so that ministry can continue in the church. So. Again, I, I talked about biblical leadership before, um, but but you know if you have a friend looking for a church, or if someday you move away from Camus and you have to find a new church, you want a church that that um, their structure it 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 mirrors what what the Bible has laid out. Discipleship. Um, Discipleship has to be a part of a healthy church. A church cannot grow where discipleship is not happening. We'll get into some more details in a couple weeks. But in a healthy church, you would expect to see people all over that church growing in Christ. Not not just a couple people on fire for the Lord, but you would expect to see person after person in, in every category and age group Growing in Jesus, growing in knowing the Lord, growing in trusting the Lord through uh, really great prosperous times and in really hard, difficult times. I heard one pastor put it this way and I, I just love his phrasing. He said, churches should be filled with growth inducing relationships. Right? So, so this isn't like all on your elder team or your, your your church leadership team. No, throughout the church, there should be all these growth-inducing relationships, right? All these relationships that God is using to help grow disciples in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ that are that care about the body of Christ, that care about their um, their, their fellow believers growing in Jesus, that we're invested in one another that we truly care about one another's lives in Christ, that we, would, um, that we would talk to a brother or sister maybe before or after the service on Sunday and hear about something that's going on and, 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 and that we would pray for them that week. Or, or maybe we don't even hear something about, uh, that need, uh, about a brother or sister that needs prayer, but God just puts it on our heart and we respond like, Lord, I don't know what's going on but I, I pray for this brother in Christ right now. Uh, th- this is to be a family of believers that, that just deeply care uh, about our other family members growing in Jesus. And then lastly, um, and I almost didn't add this, uh, this comes from James 1.22. Um, it says, but be doers of the word and not only hearers deceiving yourselves. Um, uh, a healthy church will be a church that is responsive to God's word and to what, uh, to what the, the truth of God is. Um, and I almost didn't include this because all of these that we've been through, it's, a, it's assumed that, that we're responding, that we're not just hearing the word and then leaving unchanged, but, but that we hear and, and, and we, we grow and we respond in faith to God. Um, how we live matters. Talk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've received. When we were in 1 Peter, man, Peter cared a lot about how we live. He, he talked a ton about how important it is that, that we live godly, holy lives. Our lives are testimonies to God's glory. And it, and it should impact everything. Right in, in our preaching, we should see this. The expectation is that we would come, hear the word, and and that we would ask God to transform us, that he would grow us and, and change us week by week. If we have biblically sound theology and doctrine, again, we should be transformed by it. We will be discipled by it so that we live differently than the world. If we're a church that's gospel-centered, that, that, that we understand the gospel, we care about the gospel, we, we love the gospel, it, it would change us. It would change how we pray. It would change how we uh, use money, supporting ministries and, and, and missions. It would, it would change how we view people and how we respond to them. It would change really everything about our lives. We should be a people that, that overflow with the love of Christ, a people that speak gospel truth just in, in, in everyday life, whenever we have an opportunity Churches do gospel works because Christ has redeemed them from death. It should change everything. And a church that is one will be a church that has everyone participating in it. The right? Bible is really clear. Every believer has been gifted by God, spiritual gift, for you to contribute to the body, for you to edify the body. So a healthy church will have a ton of people, almost everyone, contributing that way right? Contributing to the, the life of the body. It, it would be, uh, you'd stick out like a sore thumb if you're just sitting back and consuming at a healthy church. Anyway, I could go on and on and on. Um, but of course, a healthy church will be filled with, with brothers and sisters in Christ that are growing, people that are responsive to his word. I know I keep, I feel like I'm reading this verse every week, but I just love it so much. Back in 1 Peter 2.9, it says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We, we want to be a church that proclaims how great our God is and what he has saved us from. And and by God's grace, there there are some things that, uh, some ways that we are healthy as a church. And there are a lot of ways that that we want to grow, that that we need to grow. I'm I'm excited about uh, what God's doing in our elder team. I, I feel like he's, He's really taken us through a time of learning how to shepherd, and I think we're going to grow a lot in this way. But, but we have uh, we have a lot of room to grow. But I do praise God for for all the the good, healthy things that, that by His grace He's He's brought about in our church. Let me pray, Jesus. We uh, we love you, Lord. I thank you for this church. As um, as I'm looking at next week, going man, I don't know if we get to get to gather. Uh, together or not, um, I'm grateful for today, I'm grateful to see uh, just faces of uh, brothers and sisters is so good. Last service, just to get to talk to some people and, and pray together. Um, Lord, we help us to be your church, no matter what happens, God. We help us to, uh, to live as your church. Would we care deeply for one another. Would we be concerned that we are a church that, that is growing, that, that is uh, a church that, that reflects what, what you've said we are to be, Jesus. We want to be a church that brings you uh, so much glory, Lord. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray.